Geopolitics and Empire is joined by David Skripats, who served as a captain in the Canadian forces for nine years. During his two tours of duty in the Air Force, he flew extensively in the former Yugoslavia, as well as in Somalia, Rwanda, Ethiopia, and Djibouti. He's been writing uh, a lot for Michel Trosodovsky's uh, Global Research uh, and elsewhere. Welcome to the podcast, David. Honored, honored. Thank you very much for having me. It's a, it's a, it's a pleasure to be here. It's 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 a great uh, to have you, and uh, I've been reading uh, some of your jaw dropping uh, articles over at Global Research, and and they're posted all over the internet, and um, really good stuff. And uh, I really, you know, your view I I feel is very close to my uh, analysis and 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 paradigm. But before maybe getting into your writing, I was listening to some of your prior interviews, and you describe how you sort of snapped out of the matrix, uh, the lies. Part of it was thanks to the nudging of your uh, father, who, you know, gr having grown up under Yugoslav communism, has a keen understanding of totalitarianism. But you also, the things you witness in the field um, because of your work, how Western powers were uh, creating, you know, right before your eyes, you saw them um, creating financing uh, Al Qaeda and ISIS and all this stuff. So, if you want to, before getting to your articles, you know anything you want to tell us about uh, your background and then how you sort of woke up? Yes, no, excellent, Herbert. Because it's it's very tempting today to get uh, kind of angry or frustrated with people that are asleep, that are unaware of the, the grand agenda unfolding around us. Right? Sometimes you think, "My God, can't you see it?" But then, but then I step back myself and say, "Wait a second, whoa, whoa, I can't, I can't criticize them because thirty years ago I was there as well." I would listen and to CNN. I would believe everything that was on the uh, Canadian Broadcasting Corporation or Communist Broadcasting Corporation, now the CBC. Right? And, and my father would say, look, look, son, it, it, things are not as they appear. Okay, they, they are lying to us. But that, that, that why, why would these people be lying? I mean, they're honest people like, like we are. They can't be a hidden agenda. There's, there's no, you know, what, what, what would be influencing them? My father was always telling me, when you're looking at history, please get three different sources and try to look at them and come in the middle, there will be a, a conclusion of some sort or some picture will, will appear. And above all else, follow the money trail. Money trail, oh, it never lies. It always tells you where the key actors are, the, the people that are pulling, actually pulling the strings. So again, we would have many arguments like this over the years and, and, and going through high school and, and my father was telling me even World War One, World War Two, everything we've been taught about World War One, the origins, the origins of World War Two is a pack of lies. That's not the truth. Wars are always about economics. It's not about spreading freedom and democracy. The moment a state says to its people, we're doing this out of moral character, we're doing it for freedom and democracy, you know, something is wrong. Something's very wrong here. Because no, no, no state in history has ever done that. We can just look at the Roman Empire versus the Carthaginian Empire, right? 265 BCE to 145 BCE. It was the most epic struggle, titanic struggle the world had ever seen until that time. And Rome was fighting for hegemony over the Mediterranean. So the, we're on the Rome, we could call it Mare Nostrum, our sea. That was the Mediterranean. That and, and Carthage was saying, no, 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 no. This is our our economic sphere of influence. Uh, don't you dare come here. And that that's how the battles, three Punic battles, then ensued. And what was Rome doing there? It was battling for economics. It was not for, there to spread Roman ideals or or the Roman legal system or anything. No, it was purely economics. Carthage, Carthagio de Lenda est. 
Carthage had to be destroyed, as as uh, Roman Senator Cato always said. And then that's what happened. So it, it, we jump forward now to the modern era, to our world today. It's the same thing. It's all about economics. So, and that's where the light slowly started to come on. When I joined the Canadian Forces, and then I was in service flying all over Yugoslavia, flying from Italy, from Ancona Falconara to, to Split, Croatia, to other parts in Croatia, or that time still Yugoslavia as it was collapsing, bringing food, logistics. We were bringing blankets, not weaponry. We were bringing blankets and uh, first aid supplies for the for the poor Bosnian people and for the Croatian suffering, uh, the innocent people suffering in the battle. Okay, so we landed in Split one day in Split, Croatia, on the Riviera there. Well, I'm offloading my aircraft, and along comes a 747 with Saudi Arabian registration. That's a 747 freighter. It lands, taxis in, comes right beside us. NATO troops are there, American guys, unloading the aircraft. And I'm asking them, what's what's on all these boxes and crates and everything? He said, no, this is for our Muslim Brotherhood uh, across the mountains there. They're uh, fighting right now in Bosnia against the Serbs. And I go, oh, my God, okay. Now we have to look at the backdrop here. There was a UN's arms embargo on the former Yugoslavia so that no arms could come to any of the belligerent parties at that time in 1991, 1992, 1993. And here we are sitting on the ramp in Split, watching the 747 offload all this weaponry. I go, that's when the light came on. Okay, I think what my dad is saying is absolutely correct. Things are not as they appear. And of course, this was never mentioned on, on CNN or anywhere, right? It's It's so... Uh, there was only one one side was the bad guys. Only the Serbs are the evil ones, and that's that's why we have to de- de- destroy them, right? So, so that 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 was my slow, slow learning curve, and 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 learning history, uh, uh, World War II history as well. Everything started to make sense. Then it's Germany had to be destroyed for economic reasons in World War One. It was not to spread freedom and democracy because Germany posed an economic threat to the British Empire. No difference in World War Two. Germany had to be destroyed for economic reasons because of autarky. Hitler chose autarky. So the German would be self-sufficient economically. That's a big mistake in the eyes of the city of London, the Washington establishment. Yes, of course, Germany, the, the national socialists were racist, but, but then so were the British. So were the Americans. It was perfectly legal to lynch a, a black African American until 1967 in the United States and the Southern States. So to say that, well, we were the good guys, we were not racist, but but they were. So th- there's more involved to it. Uh, again, we could go a whole hour into that World War One, World War Two. I don't want to go there right now. Well, we're going to fl- flash forward to, to where we are today. But that was all part of my learning process. So along comes then 2019, the end of 2019 and early 2020, where we have on, uh, all of a sudden this this pandemic emerging. So on March 9th, uh, what happened was the uh, several cruise ships between March 7th and March 9th, uh, three passenger cruise ships docked in Asia. Another one in um, in Oakland, California on March 9th, the Grand Princess with 3,700 people on board. So if the the, the cruise ship is, is, is a beautiful analogy because it's it's a kind of a Tesla border. You have 3,700 people locked on a ship in contact with each other every day. And if there there is some kind of virus that's killing killing these people, I mean, it's going to be devastating on the ship. There's nowhere to go. You cannot hide if that's the case. So out of the 3,700 on the Grand Princess, okay, they tested 100 of them with the fraudulent PCR test. Three tested positive. 
Okay, and uh, and uh, weeks later, after the ship docked, three people died. Okay, all, all why we, we we don't know exactly. So from that, they concluded, well, it's a thirty thirty percent infection mortality, or sort of three three percent infection mortality rate. I mean, how from thirty seven hundred people, that three died weeks later after the ship docked. How do you get three percent? That's what the media was telling us. So. Right away, something else is going on. And the age of 5,700 people were on board those ships. No, no one died. And they were tested by the fraudulent PCR test. There were some positive cases, but no one died. But yet mainstream media says, no, this, dev- this is devastating. It's 3% mortality rate. Like, we have to watch out. So that was, that was the first, first light that came on for me. Okay, something is wrong. And then uh, weeks later, John Ioannidis, uh, epidemiologist at the uh, Stanford University, came out and said to the world, no, ladies and gentlemen, Nothing to worry about here. We are seeing from the latest data, we have about 0.1 to 0.2, 0.1 to 0.2 infection mortality rate for whatever's going on here in line with the seasonal flu. So, okay, that, that's, that was good news. That was all good news. But media still keeps going on. No, no, no. It's a global pandemic, global pandemic. And then all of a sudden, global world leaders, maybe Andrew Merkel, Justin Trudeau, everyone was saying, this is the new normal until a vaccine can be developed. So that, that that's that's when you okay. Why why are they saying that? Something something's wrong. We we've known vitamin D for over fifty years. We've known vitamin D is as excellent at, at uh, strengthening the human body. Uh, vitamin C. Uh, take your zinc. Uh, exercise. Eat right. You know, go go out in nature. Be one with nature with the microbiome. But no, the, the default position was immediate all the time, constantly. Oh, this is the new normal until vaccine can develop. So that's when the light came on for me. That's when you okay, this is, something's wrong here. So everything my father said to me, it's, it's uh, it has come to operation. Then you start to follow the money trail. Riots across Europe, unprecedented food and energy inflation, increasing military conflict around the globe, and a rising digital police state. The fourth turning is here. And so is the Expat Money Summit. The free online event, expatmoneysummit.com, is back and will help you navigate these turbulent times. Featuring dozens of renowned experts such as Dr. Ron Paul, international man Doug Casey, Jim Rogers, and Mark Faber, the summit will reveal how you can reclaim your freedom abroad, reduce your tax bill, protect your wealth, obtain multiple citizenships and residencies, become part of a like-minded global community, and more. Founder of expatmoney.com, Mikhail Thorup, will be your guide on this journey to protect yourself from economic collapse, World War III, authoritarian Western regimes, and Klaus Schwab's Great Reset. Simply go to expatmoneysummit.com and enter your email to reserve a free ticket to the event. Do it now. Uh, you know, we, 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 as you said, we don't have uh, as much time. I, I'd probably throw in there in part of your awakening process, you know, things like 9-11 uh, and, and, yes. and other things. Uh, yes. But, you know, I think it's we got to look at what's happening now because this is COVID-9-11. This is even worse. Yes. It's, it's like it's part worse. part two. Um, and, you know, but in January of 2020, I, I did this interview that blew up with the author of the Bioweapons Act, uh, Francis Boyle, and he contended at the time that it... Uh, Corona was an offensive biological warfare weapon. My view from the beginning, I'm very close to the view of J.J. Cooey and people like that. He's been a guest of mine. Um, uh, from the get-go, I said there never was, by by definition, uh, there was never a, a pandemic. Um, by definition, you know, I've, I've been at the WHO during the swine flu uh, pandemic. They've changed 
they've been committing this fraud for the long time you know even in 2009 with the swine flu they I mean they changed all the definitions of pandemic and and now with immunity and and vaccines they've changed the definition of a definition i think i, I don't know anymore but they keep moving the goalposts uh so my view that is that there's never been a pandemic that they may have used some low yield type of bioweapon which as you mentioned did not again uh was not as dangerous it was the protocols that was killing people so they were creating this image of a pandemic and the main goal of all of this was to bring in bring us into this biosecurity digital um technocracy i i do have an issue i mean i don't know what you believe i, res- I respect other people's beliefs there are people saying that you know contagious infectious disease done ex- doesn't exist viruses don't exist I, I don't go that far my view is that i just don't yeah, I'm not afraid of people who are infected with some disease, you know, like we can still believe that stuff exists, but we don't have to be afraid of people who've got the flu or something. So w- w- what do you think uh, uh, really happened with uh, COVID-1984? And it seems like gov- all the governments of the world participated, no? Yes, absolutely. They were all working in lockstep, as the Rockefeller Project would say, they were working in lockstep in synchronicity because all the government... Uh, 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 this global empire that's emerging we have a, the, the hydra at the top the head is the bank of international settlements that working along with the policy makers such as rockefeller institute the club of rome uh the council on foreign relations the royal institute of international affairs which is now known as chatham house these are the policy makers they work along them with the policy distributors at the United Nations, the World Health Organization, the IPCC. Uh, we'll, we'll get into that too with the, with the uh, climate change aspect to it. So that that's how then all the governments are co-opted. If, if you follow the money trail, then money makes the world go round. And the governments, by various means, have either been bought out or coerced, blackmailed, so that this agenda was uniformly floating around. If anything, this could have happened in 2017. 2017, if if we look at the World Health Organization actual data, the the seasonal flu of 2017 had an infection mortality between 0.7 and 0.9, far greater than than this COVID COVID uh, scandemic. So why weren't we in 2017 wearing masks? Why 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 weren't we? Uh, isolated and separated uh, approximately 45 million people that globally in 2017 it was devastating i i never heard anything about it it began the vast majority of these people were over the age of 70 with underlying conditions uh, typical of, of of again was it a virus going around with again we could debate that for for hours but we do know there's many other elements in, in the environment. It could be arsenic that we're breathing in right now. It could be mercury that's, that's in the atmosphere that's causing us to fall ill. It could be the new 5G uh, um, technology rolling out and 6G that's coming around the corner. Uh, it could be glyphosate that's in the environment. For example, 75% of our rainfall now that's been tested falling in the United States, that's just the United States, they have found 75% of it. They found seventy uh, trace, traces of glyphosate in, in the water in the rainfall. So could that, that that's definitely in the atmosphere. Are we breathing that in and causing us some us to fall ill. Uh, absolutely. So if if there was some bioweapon that was designed again for the twenty twenty scenario, it's it it it's nowhere near as effective as whatever happened in two thousand seventeen. Fortunately, fortunately. But again, by 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 just by. Gauge, 
in the numbers, uh, presenting the false picture, like I said, with the cruise ship analysis, where there was really, there was no 3% infection mortality at all. But uh, when they declared a global pandemic, 40 people out of 8 billion were actually infected by this so-called, they had symptoms displaying COVID-19. 40 out of 8 billion, and we have a global pandemic. How? How is that possible, right? Yeah. And it's, you mentioned the Royal Institute. I actually had on the podcast a couple of years back, uh, one of the previous directors of the Royal Institute for International Affairs, Victor Bulmer Thomas. So that, that that's an interesting interview back in, 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 in the archives. And, uh, you know, this sort of brings us towards your article, um, which I absolutely, uh, loved. And, you know, we don't have to go into, some of the details i the link is in the description and so people i urge people to go and read it and get that initial context where you detail your parents escape uh which was a life or death situation when they escaped uh yugoslavia in the, in the early yugoslavia years it was less dangerous towards the end but in the early years of yugoslavia it was life or death and they managed to escape to uh austria and then make their way to canada so uh, people should read that but I think, uh, you know, the, the point of that is to show back then in the Soviet Union, Yugoslavia, wherever, North Korea, you know, you could escape to Europe, to the United States, to Canada, to parts of Latin America. Uh, and now, th I mean, this is unprecedented. It's literally global. I've had some of my past guests on famous uh, Swiss millionaire investor who's in Thailand, Mark Faber, when I talked about this with him a couple years back even from a secular perspective he said he studies deep history He's like this has never happened before in all of history and, you know my, my my perspective of the bible you know talks about there's going to be a global government where all countries will participate and you know there's going to be like a mark of the beast system where you won't be allowed to you know have sovereignty or agency you'll if you don't do what the system says you'll be uh you know uh shut off and that's starting to happen now simultaneously these two systems of this global system and the global control system and for me that was the whole point of it as you talked about the res government response you know i was living in kazakhstan at the time and then it was like masks obligatory injections obligatory qr codes um digital passports i barely made it back to Mes mexico avoiding all of that um and so for me like that is the goal of all of this to to push us into this digital control system uh, and so your article again is, and it's very much like Patrick McGuhan's The Prisoner. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but a cult, uh, British, uh, TV classic. And so your article is moving toward a global empire, humanity sentenced to a unipolar prison and digital gulag. So if you want to tell us more about, uh, about that and what do you think, you know, what was the real purpose of, of Operation COVID? <laughs> Yes, Aubrey, the, the purpose is to erode our individual freedoms, erase national uh, sovereignty. Nationalism, yes, I, I know nationalism and worshiping the state is, is not, a, not a good idea, but it's still, it, it's, it's moving away from the, the, the globalist agenda, from the cabal. And so it's moving away from that. Ultimately, what they, the, the cabal, what they really hate is individual freedom. That's what it's all about, destroying our inalienable rights. And, and taking away individual freedoms. So that's the ultimate goal. And how do they do that? Well, by controlling the information. If you control the information flow, the data, you, you won. But, but then many people say, Oh, no, no, wait a second. No, no, they didn't win. For example, Russia, you know, Russia, well, they, 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 they are, they are the stalwart. They are, they're fighting against this global agenda. Mr. Putin is on our side. No, 
where's the evidence to support this? I would encourage your viewers after uh, to view, uh, go on uh, Substack to look at Rolo Slavsky's uh, Substack. It does amazing, excellent work. Um, Riley Vagaman, uh, aka Edward Slavsquat as well, I've been producing some excellent stuff about what's really going on in Russia. And the Mr. Putin is not against the, the globalist agenda, right? It's all working together. And it's, it's like communism on, on, a, on a macro scale. And for example, let, let's go, draw back to what you said about Yugoslavia, okay? Yugoslavia, it's under communism or East Germany, Romania, whatever you have. They had collectivism. That was the, that was the objective of their society to collectivize, erase the family unit, erase family values, erase re any religious organized religion that had to be destroyed and collectivize. So now, but now we have collectivization on an international scale, which is globalization. And then when you hitch globalization to AI, to technology, to every aspect of technology where you are being monitored, uh, controlled, uh, told what to eat, where to go, what to buy, what to inject into your bodies, surveil 24 seven, that is then technocracy. So we have elements of communism in the, the way they collectivized and try to erase the individual and individual freedom. So that aspect is definitely there. But when you marry that to technology, you have then technocracy, which Patrick Wood does, does an amazing job at explaining all that. And where do we have a prime example of that in, in today's world is China, People's Republic of China, which is really not the People's Republic. It is the globalist republic of China. It is a, as Patrick Wood correctly uh, uh, described it as a full-fledged technique. If we want to see what the future could be for us, all we have to do is just look at China, where every single aspect of your life is surveilled 24-7 and monitored, where social credit ratings are in, where QR codes are there, where digital currency is being implemented, uh, where if you speak out against the government, you're immediately, <laughs> your, your, your face is put up on the main square, you're, you're mocked, you're ridiculed, uh, you're uh, uh, prevented from traveling, et cetera, et cetera. So all what we've been discussing, what may be coming our way, that's, that's already there in China. When that was all enabled by the Rockefellers, when Henry Kissinger went there in 1971 to establish relations with the communist government in China, he, he wasn't sent there by Nixon. People have to understand, he was sent there by the Rockefellers. He was not working for President Nixon. He was working for the Rockefellers to establish this massive laboratory because here you had billions of people that you could mold and manipulate that are hardworking, will, will not really go against the government unless really, really bad things happen. So it was an amazing laboratory to bring out the, the technocracy, which was already being formulated in 1938 at Columbia University by, uh, by individuals, by Howard Scott, for example. Yeah, and you, you mentioned uh, uh, a number of great names. You know, Rolo Slavsky. He's uh, I've interviewed him yeah. on my TNT radio yeah. show last year. You know, I I I try to get early. I I you know I'm I, I'm early in being one of the first to interview some of these fascinating folks that are coming up. Uh, and yeah. and he just shouted out. He gave a shout out to me. Uh, he he took one of my guests, Yuri Roshka, and inter interviewed uh, Yuri and Riley. I had him on since last year on this podcast. And Patrick yeah. Wood has been been on. People can check the archives. Yeah. But let, let, let's go back for a second to the Putin aspect you write in your article uh quote countless pundits 
And journalists in the alternative media have opined that the BRICS nations, particularly Russia, China, and India, are leading the charge in an anti-globalist and anti-global governance, anti-single global empire crusade. On the contrary, nothing could be further from the truth. Um, there's no way to justify calling the BRICS econo economic model a non-globalization alternative to the West's globalization push, when in reality it is just another form of globalization, a different approach to globalization. And a few things have been occurring just in the past uh, week and weeks and 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 months and i totally uh, agree with you there are a number of things here first of all i discovered that the brics paradigm or framework was first was created the idea was coined by a world economic forum young global leader some indian woman whose name i can't recall right now yeah. together with a goldman sachs i believe it was goldman sachs a, a yeah. banker yeah. that's one thing there and then you've got for the longest time studying globalism, um, the plan is to, as you said, get rid of nation states to create supranational entities. The EU is de facto the model for this anti-democratic, totalitarian, technocratic globalist system where you unify 30 nations into one and then replicate that model to North America, Central America, South America, Africa, and so on. And so what, what do we see in my research? So... Uh, I'm a I'm a national of Mexico. So the Mexican president last year in the official transcripts, he was talking to Blinken and he literally said, let's integrate Canada, USA and Mexico based on the EU model. You had last week El Salvador's Bukele come out and say, let's integrate all seven Central American nations into the Central American Union based on the EU model. He literally said that. You had last year ex-president of Ecuador, Rafael Correa, say, let's integrate South America, a South American Union based on the EU model. He said that. And then I used to work technically for Nur Sultan Nazarbayev of, of Kazakhstan. Supposedly his idea, it was his idea, the Eurasian Union. So Putin has been spearheading the Eurasian Union. I did a quick search. Klingendale, which is this globalist European think tank, published an article three years ago saying that the Putin's Eurasian Union is based on the EU model. So, uh, and then anyways, if you look at what's actually being done, the results of BRICS and multipolarity, it's actually integrating the planet, uh, you know, politically, economically through infrastructure. So it's, it's centralizing. It, it, so it's almost like they're tricking us. It's it's like a trap there. The globalists are tricking us to, to come into the farm uh, and then they're going to lock us in. So do you have any further thoughts on my little rant there? And then yes. just, just, you know, uh, no, 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 that, 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 that's beautiful, right? Yeah, because you, you nailed it there. So we'll look at both the European aspect and then we'll go back to Russia again. So we have, so that the, uh, your listeners and viewers know the European Union, the way it was set up, the uh, European Commission is the executive branch okay, of the European Union. It is made up of non-elected, unaccountable officials. That's what everybody has to understand. So whenever they try to emulate that or or replicate it in Latin America or whatever, you are, again, creating a completely undemocratic institution. So in the EU, we have the European Commission, the executive branch made of unelected officials that dictate policy. The European Parliament members, typically what they've been doing up to now is just rubber stamping. Whatever comes out of there, they just rubber stamp it and okay, and that's it. It's a completely autocratic system, modeled very closely again to the communist, uh, communist China, uh, that government, the, the Chinese government operates in the same day, right? You have the central committee of unelected members that dictate policy, so it mirrors 
the Chinese government or the communist system in, in that regard. So there we have, and then we have the European Central Bank. So we have the EU, which is completely undemocratic, the, the parliament, the system. And then we have the European Central Bank, which was created by the Bank of International Settlements. Another completely secretive uh, uh, dictatorial institution that no one even knows how, how it operates. And this is supposed to be, the European Central Bank is somehow going to be a savior to the European people to help them. Absolutely not. It's a part of the enslavement agenda. And then now let's go to, to Russia. Again, if, if we look at every aspect that we were inflicted with during the past three years, during the scandemic, the lockdowns, the QR codes, uh, the contact tracing, the injections of the biomedical experimental injections, Russia has done exactly the same thing. There's, there's no difference. So to say now that Putin's someone, oh, he's, he's, he's doing a secret judo chop to the, to the uh, Western elites. Uh, you know, he's, he's just playing along with them for now and then, then he's going to strike. No, that's fantasy. It's pure illusion. Putin is a charlatan. He is not a patriot. I support the Russian people. It's the Russian people we have to support. Putin is, is selling them out completely. Same with, you could say, say, uh, Shoigu. There's, there's no difference. And real patriots, just last week, real patriots like, um, Igor, uh, Strelkov, Igor Strelkov, a true patriot who was a military commander in, in the Donetsk People's Republic, he's being arrested. So that's, again, we could look at that as, wow, this is, this is devastating. Uh, it's bad news. Okay. Temporarily for Strelkov, but it's showing that the Russian government, specifically Putin is, is acting out of weakness. When you have to arrest true patriots in your country that is not a sign of strength that is a sign of weakness the russian government is now operating from from a weaker standpoint and they're worried they're worried these things are things things are not the russian people are slowly waking up true patriots are speaking up more and more so it's it's not going to work well in the long run for russia even if putin plays along he thinks maybe by playing along with the with the with the cabal in the west and and there's luciferian elements in this cabal which we can go into if you wish but by by playing along with him, he thinks that somehow they will spare Russia in the long run. That that will not happen. If if Russia loses the war in the Ukraine, uh, it it will be devastating. Russia will be sub, um, cut to pieces and or turned into a, a, a warring fiefdom, or where one group is combating against another against another to grab the resources. And meanwhile, BlackRock. And other investment firms are just going to be laughing all the way to the bank, as they are right now with the, with the conflict in the Ukraine. There are innocent Ukrainian people suffering, innocent Russian people suffering on the ground right now as we speak. But the oligarchy on both sides are, are laughing all the way to the bank. Yeah. The weapon sales and, and so on and so on. And, and to that uh, last point, like I had Yuri Roshka on, uh, and you know, I, I I want there to be some independent pole of resistance you know but and i've there i've had guests on that the people that i respect immensely western analysts that are you know pro uh anti-western davos you know diabolical satanic system and pro-russian conservatism and all of that but what we're just discussing i mean these are cold hard facts and yes. some of these people have this myopia they're ignoring it i I cannot ignore this. And, you know, Yuri Roshka talked about it. And just this week, you know, we saw Putin sign into law the Russian algorithm ghetto, as I call it, the digital ruble CBDC. Uh, two weeks ago, he gave a talk where he's saying he, he even used 2030. He said we have this we, we should have this goal by 2030 to implement smart cities 
and digital twinning and all this crazy stuff in Russia. You've got Hernan, Herman, what's his name? Hernan Graf of, of yeah, Spare yeah, Bank. Yeah, uh, yeah. They, they brought in the Fourth Industrial Revolution Center in Moscow. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's happening. There's yeah. so you, you cannot unsee that. So my question maybe for you is like, why Yuri Yoroshka touched on this, but I haven't, you know, he's like the only one who so far in the podcast has brought this up. Why are some, I think some Western analysts who are pro-Russia or pro-China or pro-multipolar world um, ignoring this? You know, Yuri has implied that some of them are just happy to to get famous as analysts and make money. Um, I, some of them, I think, are well-meaning or were uh, well-meaning. And I think others, maybe uh, they kind of don't want to believe that there is no resistance at you know like the state uh level to globalism what are your thoughts on why people are don't want to look at this yes uh, you're right it's a combination of all that most people love to live in a binary world it's it's black it's either black or white right or good versus evil they don't understand it it's all like my father was always telling me it's one gray zone it's one big gray zone and we have to pierce through that and and decipher the information that we're getting and and decode the propaganda that we're getting so uh, but i believe for example like someone like pepe escobar okay his heart is in the right place okay he, he's a brilliant man and he's he's trying to do but it's still it must be very hard for for people like that to understand no that there is no savior that's going to come from a government to to, to save us if one man does come along like that say ladies and gentlemen people of the world don't worry i have the answer i have the answer and we'll solve everything buyer beware because that is not going to be the case. It is up to us, the individuals, all of humanity, all billion, eight billion of us, to come with this, uh, with the solutions. So that's why I think many people have a really hard time with understanding that the BRICS is not an alternative. It's two sides of the same coin as we talked about. Uh, Russia is not at all going against the agenda. They are lockstep 100% in line with the global decision, with the WEF. Even though Putin was never a young global leader, as Klaus Schwab has claimed, um, but he might as well be because <laughs> he, he's formulating his plans exactly and copying exactly Agenda 2030, the fourth industrial revolution. As you say, it's all, it's all rolling out with, with, with virtually no difference. And now, as you say, last week, without any fanfare in the West, yeah, the Russian digital ruble is on the way. It's coming actually even faster than the American digital currency that the Fed is trying to roll out, than the Canadian government is rolling out. So Putin is actually trying to trip over, they're trying to trip over each other to see who is going to be fat first at the line to enslave their their respective nation. How, how would you, so just, you know, one more thing, I always ask my guests, yeah. this contradiction where, uh, as you and I just explained, all of the nations and, and corporations are working on this globalist project. Uh, and, you know, even Francis Boyle, who, uh, who I had on last time, he, he agrees. He says the Chinese elites and the American elites and all, you know, Russian elites are working together against their own yeah. population. So many of us can see this, but there is this contradiction having been in the Canadian forces yourself. How do you then explain? So there is this global network between these cartels, let's say mafia states, Russian, Chinese, yeah. European, American, whatever, but they are, there is actual, you know, conflict geopolitically between them, you know, in Ukraine. And, and it seems like the U.S. does want to go to war with China. My only way of trying to explain that is it's like cartels in Mexico. They'll work together or make mm -hmm. peace treaties for a while. Yeah. But then when the tomato hits the fan, when one of them gets greedy, uh, they'll try to take out the other 
cartel. And it's kind of thing what, what you were saying earlier that Russia is fighting for a a better seat at the table of of world government. I mean, just your thoughts on how to explain they're working together, but they're fighting against each other at the same time. Yes, that, that's right. Yes, no, that's a very good point. We have to explain that. It's yes, um, they they are. Russia will try to look after its own interests. For example, maybe some mineral wealth or whatever. What's happening in Syria? How Russia is defending Bashar al-Assad uh, to defend their bases there, their naval base and their air force base in Khmimin Air Base in uh, Latakia Province. Okay. That's at a two-dimensional level. Yes, Russia is trying to protect the sphere of influence there. But on the grander scale, though, it's they are all working together. Like, say, a mafia group uh, meeting at the table. And, again, are they all unified in their policy? Perhaps not. Right? To, 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 uh, we, we have to acknowledge that, yes, there's a globalist cabal working here. But do, are there separate agendas within the cabal? There may be. And and then they'll work that out. So that's why I mentioned if if uh, Putin is playing along with them, trying to curry favor with them, that's only going to take him so far. Because if he doesn't play along fully, then he will be removed, just like they are trying to do with Bashar al-Assad, as they did with Hugo Chavez in Venezuela. They they succeeded there. I firmly believe he was murdered. But again, that's that that is a conspiracy theory. That's purely theory. That's conjecture on my part. But I believe he was murdered. Um, but that, that, that's all part and parcel. So are they unified as a one singular body? No, no, they're not. And I'm sure within the echelons there, there you know, there's conflict and that there's arguments in there. And on the ground, though, for example, in the Ukraine, yes, there we have then innocent people suffering. That's that's where we see the two dimensional aspects of the warfare, right? Group A against group B or Empire A against Empire B. That's the two dimensional. But at the three dimensional level, the over the macro level. Looking at it from 65,000 feet down, no, I'm sorry. Unfortunately, they're all playing along. And even even the climate agenda, for example, if, if we look at some of the, the statements coming out from Moscow, the same thing, or definitely China, they don't care that much about it. They're continuing producing their coal power plants. But in, in Russia, they're talking about, we have, we have to do our contribution to global warming. Uh, again, if we look at that agenda, that's also part and parcel of the the biosecurity state agenda, right? And the, the, the enslavement of all of us. If, if you look at it on an individual basis, yes, okay, you think the IP, the global warming, uh, climate change agenda is, is separate, is no, no, it's nothing to do with Ukraine or the woke agenda with the LGBTQ, the icon, the alphabet people, that that's some separate agenda. No, it's not. It's all part and parcel of the bigger picture. For, for example, if we look at the global warming, okay, to or sorry, climate change. So the, your viewers probably have the million dollar question. Is climate change real? Yes, it is. Is it caused by man-made activity though? Human activity? No, it is not. That's the big difference. So climate change is real. It's been happening since the earth started. It's, uh, it's a part of the process with solar activity interacting with water vapor. The most important greenhouse gas on earth is water vapor not co2 not methane not nitrous oxide but again but that's again that's what the uh, disinformation people in the media will tell you and the, and the politicians will say oh no 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 it's 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 uh, co2 is the most important greenhouse gas no it's not uh, your viewers could look afterwards on uh, youtube it's still there uh, professor uh, ian clark from the university of ottawa 
uh, addressing the Canadian Senate in 2011. There's an amazing video of Professor Ian Clark there, Jan Weitzer, uh, Timothy Patterson, University of Carleton, along with 30,000 other climatologists. Like these are real climatologists. Like, like Ian Clark is a climatologist, not a chemical engineer or an engineer talking about climate. Like these are the real people who know all this stuff. And all of them say the solar activity as it increases, the Earth's temperature increases. Is it interacts with water vapor. Uh, water vapor makes up uh, by volume 95% of the greenhouse gases. CO2 makes up 0.04%. So it's minuscule, but they're saying, no, no, this culprit CO2, which is actually the lifeblood of the planet, plants actually need CO2. It's a, it's a, um, a life generating gas, not killing gas. Yeah. So, it- yeah, I, I've had uh, way back in the day, Lord Christopher Moncton uh, on the yeah. program, Mark Morano, uh, yes. and, and on my radio show, TNT, uh, a, a number of others. So, uh, and as you say, that's all. It's all this plan. We talked about the elites, and maybe a little more on on this agenda, which I, I pretty much because I had Edwin Black on in 2020, the Jewish historian, and I just his his term for me is my is the favorite. You know, people, you can call it cyber gulag. Um, Electronic concentration camp, digital concentration camp, uh, algorithm ghetto. So he he used the example of uh, the Jews in Nazi Germany who were sent into these physical ghettos, walled off, uh, and then he says, "Well, what they're building now is this cashless system. Uh, it's it's an algorithm ghetto." And so we've seen, you know, um, uh, Nigel Farage was debanked recently. Just just yesterday, Dr. Mercola uh, and his employees and his employees' children. Were debanked. Uh, Jeremy McKenzie, a military veteran in Canada, was debanked from Scotia Bank. Maria Zadich, out in Australia, uh, was debanked uh, last year. The Department of Homeland Security killed my PayPal forever. Uh, I was taken off of Patreon, and so this is the algorithm. Get I'm, I'm, and it seems like their goal is to create one global digital ID uh, that's going to contain your all of your biometrics and um, DNA. And it's going to be linked to, you know, their geolocation, geo tracking, so they know where you are. Mexico just unve- unveiled Plan Angel, Angel, which should be called Plan Satan, Plan Diablo. And yeah. I couldn't believe it. They're talking about we're going to create this. The most important thing is this ecosystem based on AI. And it's, we're going to roll out vehicle tracking, morphological detection, so they can just on your body detect who, who you are nationwide, right? Drone tracking, all this insane stuff so mexico's doing it america europe russia china as you say and so this is their goal and you know world coin was just rolled out and they explicitly say we want it's going to be a global digital id get a scan your eyeball and that's going to be you're going to you won't be able to access the internet uh without this so they know exactly who you are what you're doing on the internet yeah. where you are uh and yeah. so uh, do, do you have any further thoughts on for, for me this seems like this is the big enchilada this yep. is the the principal core of this system going forward. You know y- your thoughts. Uh, absolutely, as I, I referred to in my article, the digital gulag. That's what I call digital gulag because that's where we will be. And as as I said at the beginning, if we want to know what it's even remotely like, just look at China. Well, what you just described that that's what's happening in China right now, where every single aspect of our lives will be tracked through and powered. Uh, I mean, um, enabled by AI. For example, the digital currencies, AI will just uh, help to uh, roll that around to, to monitor everyone. And it'll all be powered by 5G and 6G uh, d- technology that's coming around the corner. And that will be the complete enslavement of us all. 
because like you say, they will monitor every aspect of you. And, and we see it already. We even saw it in the Freedom Convoy uh, in 2020, at the beginning of 2020 here in Canada, when when certain members of who organized the Freedom Convoy, their bank accounts were frozen. So <laughs> that's a prime example. That was the first example right now. And now, as you've mentioned, these other examples. So if people, in one way, again, this sounds bad, but I'm glad that this is happening. So more and more people are going to wake up and see this. This aspect, this is the end game. The, their end game, their goal is to enslave us all, to remove our individual freedoms. They've already removed the individual uh, nation's sovereignty. Sovereignty is a thing it's a, from a bygone era. That's gone. All governments are now working in lockstep to enslave their own populations in, in varying different degrees. For example, the um, um, Central Bank Digital Currency of India, that they're planning to roll out, it will have an expiry date. Same with the Chinese one. It'll have an expiry date. Which I mentioned in my article as well. So it's 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 all it's all happening. So yes, it, this this may seem very depressing, right? As, as we look at this, but okay, now let's look at look at the solutions. Yeah. Before getting to to, to that, uh, let me ask you about uh, Bitcoin. Uh, you're probably familiar with our fellow uh, Croatian broadcaster Andrea. Kladic, who's doing uh, great work. He he. If he does interviews in Croatian, he'll put English subtitles. If he he does interviews in English, uh, it's with the Croatian subtitles. And he uh, recently interviewed someone. I don't know who he is, uh, James Patrick. But you know, on the question of Bitcoin, my view has always been: people will disagree. I, I've had Bitcoin maxis uh, that I've interviewed. I, I respect people's views. My view is that it's been a global globalist Trojan horse. And James Patrick came out and said, quote, this makes me look at this digital money issue differently. At first, I was believing the idea Bitcoin might be a good thing. Now I'm kind of suspicious that that could have been a pilot project for these new CBD systems. So I was always suspicious of Bitcoin. You had the 20, you know, 1988 Economist cover that had a, all the, you know, a phoenix sitting on the ashes of all fiat paper money and a coin. Uh, which looked very much like the, like the Bitcoin symbol, um, saying this would be like the new world currency. You had the NSA, MIT, I think technical white paper in 1996 talking about electronic currency. It's hard for me to believe that just one individual, you know, with little resources creates this ama you know amazing project like Bitcoin or, or or whatever. And we've seen, you know, the the Pentagon, DARPA created the internet. They created GPS. Um, they created Facebook, DARPA LifeLog. They've created Tor was created by US military signal. You know, all of the all of these supposed, you know, uh freedom tools yes. created by them. So do you, do you have any thoughts on, on Bitcoin? Yeah, that's that's a very good question. That's uh I mean, right now is we know that many people are comparing Bitcoin and saying it's the same thing as a central bank digital currency. It's the same thing, you no, know, but they don't realize that there are big differences right now. Bitcoin is decentralized. Central bank digital currencies are fully centralized and controlled by one entity. Bitcoin is not. It is decentralized, a peer-to-peer -peer method of exchange. Monero as well is excellent. Uh, with Bitcoin, I understand that they can peer into it and see where the transactions are going, even though they can't uh, tamper with the ledger. But they can see what's happening, uh, whereas Monero right now is invisible. And it also a peer-to-peer -peer decentralized method of exchange. Could bit could Bitcoin been created by a, a, an anonymous entity? Because we, we still don't know really who created Bitcoin, do we? Right. So it's, you're you're right. It's possible. 
I wouldn't, I would, I would not rule it out. I would not rule it out because like you say, for all these other things, if I was, if I put my deep state hat on for a moment and, and plan like they do, uh, that's exactly what I would do. I would make them think that this is something decentralized. It really works well and get, get them to use it just like they have with Facebook, right? Let, let's market that. Let, let's get as many people onto this so we can track and trace and see what their spending habits are like, how they interact, where do they go? What do they do? What do they spend their money on? And then, and then sell that to, to private corporations as personal data that they can use. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, you're, you're right. You're right. Her, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule anything out. You never know. I yeah. So, I, like I said, I, I don't know. That's my thesis, working hypothesis, which does yes. change. And so you mentioned, so, uh, solutions, you know, uh, what are some, you know, do, talking to people for years, going to conferences, events, greater reset and all of that. Uh, and just instinctively, it's like once, you know, instinctively, you think looking at every all of this, what we've talked about is get out of Dodge, uh, get out of urban areas, buy a farm in a rural area, have some self-sufficiency, you know, the, the very basics to live. If you're locked out of the system, food and water and meat, animals and, and, and land. And the most important that, you know, I've talked to James Rawls of Survival Blog. I heard Gerald Salente mentioned this recently and others network community network yeah. you can't do anything by yourself you can't live on a bunker fully prepped up um if if, if you know and a lot of us don't have much money and it's like seems like community in yugoslav uh, communist yugoslavia and in, in soviet union you know christians in the first century they were moving about foraging living in forests together though the key element was having a community and so that's sort of one of my big number ones is focus first on your local physical analog community yeah. D- digital virtual network is is good too but is, your thoughts on on uh, solutions yeah. throughout history empires have risen and fallen some of the most successful empires were those that offered people a reason to come often lower taxes and the prospect of citizenship In ancient times, empires would say foreigners can become one of us and prosper through business and trade. Throughout history, people have gravitated to jurisdictions that have given them the best conditions to do business. So if you run a business, you should consider nomad capitalists because they help entrepreneurs and investors relocate to parts of the world where they can keep more of their wealth. They literally wrote the book on it, The Best-Selling Nomad Capitalist, find it on Amazon. If you're an entrepreneur or investor and believe you're paying too much in tax, or if you'd like to get a second passport or a third passport like I have to expand your options and not have to be reliant on one government, there are legal ways to do this. Nomad Capitalist has been assisting over a thousand clients for the last 10 years. You can check out their 2000 plus educational YouTube videos and nearly 2000 blogs. Just go to nomadcapitalist.com, learn how they can help you legally reduce your tax bill, expand your options globally and navigate the algorithm ghetto. Yes, no, I totally agree. Uh, 150,000 years ago, Homo sapiens were working together as cohesive units to go hunting. We've known now that from archaeological uh, digs and research that we've done. Otherwise, we would not be here talking right now. We, we would have perished. If we were at war with one another constantly uh, for, for through the millennia, we would not be here right now. So that, that is the way, networking, coming together at a municipal level, at a local level. That, that is how we start. And as Patrick Wood has said many times as well, spread the information out which is why i love your your podcast hawaii it's it's beautiful you're, you're one of like like james corbett and many others um um uh, from uh t-lav um 
Ryan Christian. Ryan Christian, yes, from Latin American Vagabond, right? It's it's this. First, we got to get the information to as many people as we can, and that's why I'm writing my uh, my uh, essays as well on global research, and I published my first book in 2021 uh, about about the scandemic, just to warn people. So that's the first thing: pierce through the propaganda, so that we can inform people, and we have to do it in a humble in a patient way by by yelling at people say hey, you're like don't you see you're stupid can't you wake up that's not how we're going to do it we just have to drop a kernel just a, a c when i speak to people i just say well well in 2017 the infection mortality rate of the flu was you know 0 0.7 0 0.9 and when was mary mass and we were not locked down there was no biomedical injections being issued to everyone but yet here we have an infection mortality rate, according to Stanford University, it's approximately 0 0.2. So that, that's how I, I dropped in, just to have them think. I, I pose questions to them so that they, they get the gears more right, going and then and just leave it to them. And you plant the seed that way by, by me. I'm one patient and then you see organizing at a local level, trying to find like-minded people. Or as uh, Derek Bros would say, um, uh, freedomcells.org uh, to find your own, create your own freedom cell. That's a wonderful idea. And at, at a municipal level, at a local level in government, we can prevail. People are doing that. There's already uh, areas in the United States where they have successfully, at a municipal level, stopped and rolled out of the injections in their area, right? The, the biomedical experimental injections. Um, so that's at, at a federal level, it, it's gone. The higher up the ladder you go, the more permeated by big money, uh, the, the sphere is there. So you, we cannot, but, but at the local level, municipal level, even in the European parliament, some part of the politicians are starting to wake up and say, Hey, no, this is getting bad. We, we have to speak up. So we have certain members at that, at the lower level of the parliament that are speaking up. So that, that is, that is the way to go about this. And, we have to move away from the element of fear because many people think well the opposite of love is hate it's not the opposite of love is fear it is the lowest frequency love is the highest frequency and we know that a fear leads then to anger which leads to hate which leads then to violence and suffering so and that's where the cabal and the luciferians that's where they want to operate is the fear level because even even if they don't roll out another scandemic in the next few years, just by saying, they're constantly saying, like Bill Gates said, oh, the next one's going to be much worse. It'll get your attention. Just by saying that, they're, they're just holding that element of fear over everyone's head, even if they don't really launch anything. But just by saying that, if all the world leaders say, oh, yes, the next one's going to be worse, that, but that's what they want. So that we'll be cowering in fear. Oh, yes, sir. Okay, we'll do exactly as you say. Once we realize that is their modus operandi, that is how they operate in the realm of fear, we move away from that, from the low energy. And also by being humble and patient, we don't contribute to that negative energy, to that negative field. By us getting angry and, and starting to go in a violent direction, that, that's never going to work. We, we tried that to the millennia. Humanity has tried that. Violence has not succeeded. But by, by love, going the opposite spectrum to fear, then then we will prevail and it's 12 approximately if we look at the, the at the hydra as i said the bank of international settlement and the policy makers and po policy distributors we're looking in that sphere of the the cabal and their their empire about eight to twelve thousand people that are really in charge of everything so it's eight to twelve thousand against eight billion of us 
that that that's what we we will prevail we have to remember we are 100% percent spiritual beings how do we know that because of ndes uh, near death experiences people have had through the millennia going back thousands of years there's literally documented thousands of cases where people have ndes where they've crossed over to what we we call heaven and come back they've been clinically diagnosed as dead and come back in the United States, for example, approximately 8 million people a year die natural causes. That's just the United States. Uh, sorry, I think it could be 8 billion. I'm not, I'm not sure, but uh, I, I, know, I think it's 8 million. And out of those, uh, several hundred have NDEs, near-death experiences. And this is becoming such a serious topic that you have researchers from Harvard and Oxford that are actually looking into NDEs. So there's something to this. So that for them to start looking and saying, acknowledging, holy cow, okay, there's something to this. So when a person has an NDE, that when you look at their recollections, universally, all of them say, when I crossed and came back, all I felt on the other side was unconditional love. That is it. So it's, 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 it's beautiful. They said some who have been in hospice care and are, were said to be dying of cancer or whatever, they passed away and they came back having an NDE. And many of them say, well, why did you bring me back? It was, it was so beautiful there. All there was was unconditional love. I was accepted for who I am with all my quirks and, and problems that I have. There was unconditional love and we are one. All of them come back and say, we are one. We are part of the one. So that, that, that gives me hope. As spiritual beings, we will prevail. Love, this higher vibration will prevail in their lower vibration the negative the fear love and truth will prevail and it always develops a crack it finds a crack where the light of love principle and truth will shine through and prevail and that's what we're doing that's why you and i are here for a very good reason right now the interviews you've had in the past with wonderful people it's all happening for a reason and it's a good reason so that the message of truth and love will get out and, and 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 maybe just your thoughts on on the road ahead, because as, as you say, regardless of what uh, you know, in, in the long term, you're, you're you're talking about, but nevertheless, you know, even recent guests, I can't even remember everyone that, that yeah. I'm in, interviewing, but they say, nevertheless, this near term, it's going to be a, a diff hard and difficult uh, road. So, you know, if you have any further thoughts on that, I I, I do feel they might go to a third world. Uh, war. Um, there was a book that I had ordered, never came. I'm gonna have to try to order it again. It costs like seventy bucks. Uh, it was from like the 1980s, uh, an academic book which was talking about world government, uh, and it was saying that for the final play, the elites would would launch a military conflict, but it would be very targeted using nukes. Like it would target just a few cities or regions to create enough of fear in people to finally re relinquish their remaining sovereignty and accept world government. So I could see that as a scenario. I don't really buy the nuclear winter hype. I have uh, stepped on ground zero at the principal nuclear Soviet uh, test site where Stalin dropped the first bomb. So I have visited the Polygon. So I, I do think nukes could be launched and it would be devastating to those regions you know hit, wipe out cities and millions of people but i don't i don't believe it'd be the end of the uh the world i think we'd be able to rebuild but uh, uh th there's that there's them attempting to implement this dystopia and so do you have any thoughts on you know what it might look like until 2030 might they launch a, a third world war um 
will we end up in a in a Mad Max scenario if these systems uh, fail? Uh, and and, and any way, thoughts on how to prep? You know, for me, it's like a lot of basics that everyone talks about: having physical assets, gold, silver, food, maybe some crypto, uh, property, you know, community. Uh, so, you know, any, any other thoughts along those lines? Yes, yes. No, excellent points you brought up, uh, Roy. Yeah. Um, definitely in terms of di- diversity, um, spreading your assets, yes, it's, it's good to have property. Like, don't have everything in one basket. Like, some people put everything in one basket, for example, Bitcoin. That, that, that could be very dangerous. So, I, I diversify a little bit of gold, a little bit of silver, some property, a little bit of Bitcoin, right? a little bit of Monero. That, that aspect to cover yourself. And the most for me, the most uplifting thing for me and um, elevating experience for me was planting my own food. That, that was an amazing experience. So I have a little garden, even though it's not much in Canada, in the Canadian winter, you can't grow that much during the winter seasons, but still it, it's, it's just an uplifting feeling to say, you know, yeah, we, we don't need big agriculture no, and, and their GMO seeds and everything. So uh, that, that is another aspect, try to grow your own food. Now, come, going back to your original uh, idea there about a limited nuclear war, um, it's that definitely the nuclear winter is not going to happen because the people in charge, like Klaus Schwab and, and his ilk, his minions, they are cowards. They are cowards to the core. They will not jeopardize their lives uh, for a nuclear winter. So you're right. That's not that's not going to happen. They may have limited. Hopefully not, heaven forbid, a limited uh, uh, nuclear engagement of some sort to try to terrify us even more. But that will have huge ramifications even there if a nuclear blast occurs. Let, let's say, for example, someone in Ukraine, uh, the way the prevailing northern winds will go, well, that's going to go right across Russia. It'll go into China and it'll go into Japan and across over to North America. We can't escape it. Is the cabal willing to risk that even if they're in their mansions? So it's... It's it's hard to tell. You're 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 right. Um, they may they may think about it, but at heart, what what motivates the cabal is their their fear of death. It, they are afraid of dying because they are atheists. Like for example, um, uh, Klaus Schwab's one of his number one advisors, Yuval Noah Harari. Right? He's a devout atheist. He's said so many times. Okay, and that, that's why they are afraid of the other side. They're trying to preserve their life here on, on Earth as long as they can by monopolizing, monopolizing the world's resources for the benefit of themselves. The very, very few, the 0.0001%, that 12,000 I was talking about. That's what they're trying to do, to monopolize the resources. And, and so they will have more. We will have less and get rid of the refuse and the, the unnecessary population on Earth. Right? But but that that's what's driving them their their fear they they fear the other side because or or death at all because they they can't comprehend that there is something else all they have to do is read about ndes for example one of the most famous ones in the united states is uh, dr uh, Evan alexander uh, one of america's leading neurosurgeons he had an nde again people can look on his youtube videos uh, absolutely amazing he's written books on it and then, and going back now again to the cabal, and for example, someone like you know, um, uh, Yuva Harari, okay, um, he is showing us indirectly, even though he doesn't realize how not to be. Klaus Schwab is showing us how not to be. I, I believe that's why they're here in this earth, to, so that humanity will learn from them. 
they're indirectly showing us, no, this is not the direction you want to go, where we're going to marry ourselves, the human body, to digital AI. No, we should be divorcing ourselves from that and marrying ourselves to the Mother Earth, going back to the microbiome, going back to uh, a re rejuvenated farming, to nurturing soil systems, removing glyphosate from the environment. Right now, approximately three to four metric tons of arable soil is being destroyed per acre on an annual basis on an American farm. That's a farmer doing conventional farming. Right? So three to four tons of arable soil is being destroyed by the chemical farming process with glyphosate, with Roundup, with the active ingredient of glyphosate in it. So we have to remove that, get away from that, and marry ourselves back to the microbiome, back to the earth, and back to cooperating with one another. So in, in that regard, like I used to be angry at people like Klaus Schwab or you all know Harari, right? But I didn't say, no, no, it's, they're, they're showing us how not to be. They're being the example. They are, they are fools. Uh, and yeah. I would agree with you that by, by and large, they are, um, cowards. And so, uh, we, we've covered the waterfront pretty much, David. Again, I urge people to read your articles, especially your last one. I, 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 re I read it multiple times. I, I, you know, there was the part where you mentioned as well. There's, there's nowhere to run now. It's a global system. You know, I'm here as I joke. I, I, I was a big fan of Akira Kurosawa films and uh, spaghetti westerns, um, Clint Eastwood and, and 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 others. And uh, I'm making my last Mexican stand, my last stand here in Mexico, because as you point out, as your father points out, there's there's nowhere to go. So I might as well stay here. Although I. I, I would my only my only other option would be uh, Croatia, my ethnic homeland. So I wouldn't mind dying slowly in the algorithm ghetto in the beautiful <laughs> land of my forefathers. Uh, yeah. You know, from the well, watching the Adriatic Sea as I slowly my my body slowly dies because I can't buy bread or water uh, anymore, and it will be uh, illegal to fish in the Adriatic because the drones would. Be <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm being kind of silly now, but uh, any final uh, thought for us then? No, you're right. It's 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 coming down to us. That's all it is. It's it, it, the answer is lies lies within us, within all of us, to come together and 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 come up with with different solutions and new ideas. Because waiting for someone in government at the federal level to to bring us the answers, it's it's never going to work. It's never going to work because they've been bought out and and paid for a hundred times over to even get to that level. So the answer, the solutions lie within us. As Derek Rose has said, and and with 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 going back to basics to farming, networking, and and sharing ideas, and we will prevail. We will prevail. It's eight billion of us against approximately twelve thousand of them. Hopefully, you know, w one day I get to have some Arakia and Yanyatina with you somewhere yeah. uh, in yeah. uh, Dalmatia. But yeah. I'll include uh, your links. Is there a best place for people to follow you online? I don't, I don't have any substack or anything. I, all of my work is on global research. My first book that I published, uh, We Are Being Genetically Modified. Uh, it's an ebook for free. Uh, people can download it and look there. Uh, so all, all my work is there. And uh, some some uh, other articles have gone other to uh, Off Guardian, etc. But, that, but that's the main place, globalresearch.ca. Well, David, keep speaking uh, up, keep uh, talking. You know, for a veteran like yourself, uh, being brave like that, people like yourself are uh, an encouragement for uh, a lot of us. So, so, so don't stop. Keep speaking truth 
uh, to power courageously and, and, and bravely. And, and thank you for being on Geopolitics and Empire. Thank you for having me. Honor, honor her. It was an honor. Thank you. Hopefully we'll do this in Croatia one day. I hope you enjoyed this Geopolitics and Empire podcast. The website is geopoliticsandempire.com, and I encourage you to sign up for the free email list that goes out with each podcast and every weekend with a collection of news headlines. The newsletter and website are our last lines of defense. We're being censored and deplatformed. It's nearly impossible to find Geopolitics and Empire on the Google search engine. We've been blacklisted. YouTube frequently takes down our videos with strikes, Facebook restricts our page, Reddit and Twitter take down posts, and after the Associated Press mentioned geopolitics and empire in a 2021 article co-written with NATO, our Patreon account was terminated. Vimeo also terminated our Pro account. The best free way to help geopolitics and empire is to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or elsewhere and subscribe to all of our media channels. You can find the video broadcast now on five platforms, Odyssey, Rockfin, Rumble, BitChute, and Brighteon. You can find the audio broadcast on the podcast ecosystem, SoundCloud, Apple, Spotify, and so on. My current favorite social media channels are Twitter and Telegram, but you can also find us on Gab, MeWe, Minds, Float, VK, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Finally, Geopolitics and Empire is in dire need of funding to continue. You can leave a donation, purchase a consultation with the host, or become a member to receive additional benefits. We also produce a weekly broadcast called Dissident Thinker for members and Rockfin subscribers only. We will continue to fight the good fight come hell or high water. Thank you for listening.